0: Hello and welcome, my name is Adam Curtis and I'm the curate here at Christchurch and it's a joy to be with you all here uh, this morning. Um, as I was uh, doing some uh, preparation for preaching on uh, 2 Corinthians 4, I, I listened to a, a sermon from, uh, from Dick Lucas uh, on, on, the, uh, on the passage, as is my way when I'm preparing, and, uh, and, he, and he commented that this, this chapter is far too beautiful to give it justice in a single sermon, and, and we will simply be nibbling at it. Well, in the, same, in the same spirit, I think that is going to be true of this sermon as well. This passage is far too beautiful, and we will simply be peering in. Um, which thankfully means, if you want to delve deeper into it, our small groups, fellowship groups, are going through 2 Corinthians as well. So if you're not part of one, I would really encourage you to join one, to get more from, uh, from this beautiful book. But as we come to God's Word, let's come in a posture of humility and prayer. Dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we thank you that your word is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. And we pray, Father God, that you might lead us and you might guide us and your spirit might draw us in and take us to Jesus Christ this day. In his wonderful name, amen. How easy do you find it living and speaking for Jesus? How easy do you find it telling other people about our Savior and our Maker? Maybe, maybe uh, some people on a scale of one to ten, maybe uh, some people are in the ten zone and they're like, I find it so easy to live and speak for Jesus. I could give the Apostle Paul some lessons. <laughs> maybe you find yourself category ten, or maybe you find yourself right over in, in the one sort of zone. And it's like, I don't even know where to begin. Or maybe you find yourself sort of just not even on that scale, just peering in and being like, I'm trying to work out about this Jesus guy, let alone speak about him myself. So that scale of one, I'm trying to work it out to ten, I could give Paul some lessons. Where do we put ourselves on that scale? And I imagine in a, in a room like this, actually, it's probably quite a, a variety uh, of answers, but I'm sort of going to guess that there's probably more which feel nervous than feel uber-confident. And it is, it is hard to speak about Jesus, isn't it? It's is hard to speak about Jesus in our, in our particularly secular age, which sort of feels, rams it down your throat that you should just keep religion personal and private. It's hard to speak about Jesus in our intolerant age, When sometimes just acknowledging that you love him and you follow him and you worship him and they're like oh really you're a christian really it's hard to worship jesus in our ignorant age i'm amazed by simply how little those people in my life who do not know jesus how little they know how little they have heard it's hard to talk about jesus and if you find yourself in that category of of, I don't even know where to start, that lower end of the category, and you're like, I just find it difficult, Jesus, and I get that. I find it hard sometimes to talk about Jesus. I love Jesus, and and I actually do enjoy talking about Jesus. I don't find that the idea of talking about him scary, but I still find it hard. I get that. What does God's word have to say to us today on this topic? Well, we land in 2 Corinthians... Uh, chapter 4, and here in 2 Corinthians, uh, which we've been looking at in the last few weeks, uh, we've got a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, to an early church, and in this letter Paul is really defending uh, himself, his ministry, and he wants to defend this early church from false uh, prophets and false teachers. And in comparison to those false teachers, well, Paul is just that that beaten-up preacher, that's all that Paul is. He's just that beaten up preacher. But in the in the face of all this opposition, Paul really wants to communicate that he's not losing heart. And then we see that we see that twice in that first verse. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. But then again, in verse 16, therefore. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul must get this this across. He does not lose heart. And why why, why does he need to emphasize that so strongly? Well, maybe probably because there's actually quite a a few reasons why Paul probably would lose heart. And maybe some of those are the same reasons that we might lose heart today as we live and speak uh, for Jesus. Why, why is he tempted to lose heart? Well, verse 3 tells us because the gospel is veiled to those, those who are perishing. Actually, those people who we want to communicate the glorious news of Jesus Christ, to, they can't even see it. They can't even comprehend it. And why can't they comprehend it? Well, because of the God of this age, the devil, is blinding them. The gospel... It's a glorious light, this news about Jesus Christ, which which shines onto the face of Jesus Christ. And, and it, is, it is veiled. So it cannot be seen. The God of this age has covered that light so that people cannot see it. People cannot comprehend the face of Christ. It is veiled. But as the uh, chapter goes on, we find more discouragements Paul might have. We, uh, we see um, we see down uh, I can't even find the verse now. What's gone wrong with me? <laughs> um, we see from verse 7 to verse uh, 12, sort of a list of discouragements he's given. In verse 8, they're like, they're pressed, hard pressed on every side. So that's the image of that there, they're running out of space. They're perplexed sort of like the image of them, they're confused. They don't know which way to go. They're being persecuted. They're literally being knocked down for speaking about Jesus Christ. They're being struck down. They're on the floor. And as we continue to read through, we find more reasons why they might be discouraged. Because actually their, their earthly bodies are wasting away. Paul is, one of them, just simply getting older in days. But secondly, he's taking it's this, this persecution, there's a toll to it. There's a cost to it. It's heavy on him. And his body's wasting away. And and actually, if he just focused on these on these solid things which he can see right in front of him, well, we think about the, the, the Apostle Paul through through Acts, where we think of riots in Ephesus. We think about this Corinthian church, which has been infiltrated by false teachers. We think about a, a, an early church where there's so much theological discussion confusion and disagreement, and they're struggling to find unity. If he just focused on on the physical things in front of him, well, no wonder he'd want to lose heart. No wonder he'd want to lose heart, but why does he not lose heart? Why does he say it twice? Why does he shout it? Why does he not lose heart? Well, firstly, we see in verse 1 to 6, because of God's light, because of God's light, this is why Paul doesn't lose heart, because as our Jesus is, as, as, as he is like presented, like held forth, as he is spoken about, as he is proclaimed, as all these things occur, God creates. See, the, the God of this age, the devil, he can, he can rob sight. But the God of this age Sorry, but God himself, our creator God, Father, Spirit, Son, he can restore sight, he gives sight, he creates sight. The God who, who made the sun, who gives source to its light with nothing but his word and spoke it in, into being. It is this God who, when Jesus is proclaimed, can create a light So that as we hear of Jesus, we turn to Jesus. And as we turn to Jesus, the veil is gone. The light shines and we can see him. And we can see his face. As Jesus is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit moves the veil. And God creates light. So the light pours forth. And the face of Jesus can be seen. Look down with me at verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul does not lose heart because of God's light, but Paul also doesn't lose heart because of Jesus' life which we see in verses 7 uh, to to 15 as a block. But let me read verse 10 to us. We've just had that long sort of description about how they're they're hard-pressed, persecuted, struck down, but yet they are not crushed. Verse 10, why are they not crushed and destroyed? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. As Paul is persecuted, as he is struck down, as he is perplexed, as he is hard-pressed, as all these things happen, he is not crushed, destroyed by them, because he is sharing in the very death of Jesus Christ. Christianity, it is not just simply a, a cognitive belief system. It is not simply about knowing a certain truth and ascending to it. No, no, Christianity, there is, it has a, a bodily element to it. It is a bodily faith. And part of that bodily faith is a bodily worship. And here we see Paul, as he shares in the death of Jesus Christ, he is offering up his body as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice to the Lord. And as he offers up his body as a living sacrifice, well, through The death of Jesus Christ, he's sharing in it, but he's also sharing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And actually the life of Jesus, as Paul is persecuted, but as he preaches, well, it's being revealed in Paul. In verse 16, it's it's, it's an inward renewal. In verse 14, well, it speaks of that resurrection future. Let's look down at verse, uh, verse 14 with me. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Paul shares in the death of Jesus and his suffering, but he shares in the life of Jesus. Now in that renewal, but later in that resurrection glory when he will stand with his maker and the savior of his soul who has defeated death for him. And who else does this benefit? Because Jesus' life, well, it clearly benefits Paul, but who else does it benefit? Look down with me, verse, uh, verse 12. Have a read, shout it out, who do, else does it benefit? Verse 12. Say it, Samuel. Us, yes. <laughs> so then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Life is at work in you. As Paul proclaims Christ as he holds Christ out. Life is at work in them. It's flowing into them. And these dead beings become alive in Jesus. And the veil is removed and the light is seen. This is how it was for Paul and this is is how it's always been. For Christians for their first 300 years, as it's famously known, they were the persecuted faith and yet it grew. The the third century Christian writer, Tertullian, said, the more we are mown down by you Romans, the more in number we Christians grow. The blood of martyrs is seed. The blood of martyrs is seed. And the last reason we're told that Paul does not lose heart but he is encouraged to keep on going, well, it's the eternal glory, which verses 16 to the end uh, speak of. Let's just look down at verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The present trials, they're light. The future glory, it is heavy. The present trials, they are momentary. The future glory, it is eternal. And I don't think this diminishes the pain that Paul is under. The, 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 the trial, the persecution, I don't think this diminishes it, but it puts it in a perspective. Because this light, a momentary trouble, on a, on a, on a scale... Well, it's not very heavy compared to the weight of glory. And it is that weight of glory which Paul is, is fixed on. He places his, his eyes upon, his gaze upon, rather than these momentary earthly things. What is uh, God saying to us here in Sidcup Today? thousands of years after this letter was written. Don't lose heart. Don't shrink back. Don't give in. If you find yourself on that scale at the lower end, where you're not alone in it. Don't you worry about that. But don't lose heart. Don't shrink back. Don't give in. One of the joys about where we stand in history is that we can look back at the Christian journey, we can look back at the martyr and we can see how their blood is seed. Think about William Tyndale, that, that great um, translator of the scriptures uh, into English. On the surface, of it, on the face of it, in, a, in an earthly sort of sense, you could say that he lost. It was his band which was infiltrated by spies, and it was he who was carted off back to England and then executed. In an earthly sense, he lost. But that is not what we see, because the blood of martyrs is seed. And we sit here, stand here today, with scriptures in our language, which so we can all hear of Jesus and read of Jesus and know Jesus. The blood of martyrs is seed. Tinder had that great vision that he wanted every, every ploughboy and milkmaid in England to be able to read the scriptures for themselves. And it has come true. The blood of martyrs is seed. And even in his life, he even saw it. There's a, a lovely little tale about you know, he worked, him and his team, they worked hard, and they produced a, a Bible in English, and then they started selling them in London, and the Bishop of London at the time, he was an anti-Jesus sort of man... ...didn't want people to know and read the scriptures for himself. And he, so he decided to buy up all the Bibles to stop anyone else reading them. He bought them up and he destroyed them. But the merchant who sold the Bishop of London all those Bibles... ...well, he was a Tyndale supporter. And so he took all that money that he got from the Bishop of London... ...and he gave every penny of it to Tyndale. And with that money... Tyndale then was able to print three times as many Bibles. The blood of martyrs is seed. When Christians speak of Jesus, miracles happen. And God removes veils so that light can pour forth. When Christians pay on earth a price for Jesus, well, God restores life. He renews Now, he fuels it now, and in eternity, there is that future weight of glory. And what does it look like for us to say yes to Jesus? I'm not going to lose heart, I'm going to push on, I'm not going to shrink back. What does it look like for us to say yes to Jesus? There's probably lots of things that should be said, but maybe here's just one bit of advice. In that moment when you're at the bottom of the scale and you're feeling oh, I don't know what to say. I've got no confidence. I'm living in this ignorant, intolerant, secular age. Well, my one bit of advice, well, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Because you were blind, spiritually so. I was blind, spiritually so. And God removed that veil so that we could see. Through Jesus' death, we stand forgiven, and for His resurrection, we claim His life. We're now filled with His very spirit, and these momentary trials are nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. So, preach the gospel to yourself. This is who I am. This is my story. This is what Jesus Christ has done for me. What he has won for me. What he has achieved for me. And if he has done all this for me, to make me blind and see, then seeing, then he can do it to that brother or sister of mine who hates Jesus. To that friend or neighbor of mine who wants nothing to do with it. To, do with it, to that schoolfellow or workfellow who just doesn't care. If he can do it with us, if he can do it with you, he can do it with them. Preach the gospel to yourself. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't shrink back. Because what we are presenting is life. And our God is a God of miracles. Let's uh, spend a moment just meditating on God's word. And then I'll close in prayer. Our dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we do thank you for the examples which you have given us in, in Scripture and in Christian history of men and women who have not lost heart, but kept on going, no matter the cost, and that through their blood, a mighty harvest has sprouted forth. Father God, we pray, may we be men and women who do not lose heart, but who strive forwards and onwards, knowing that as we speak about Jesus, miracles happen. May we rest in your creative, divine power and sovereignty, knowing that those who we want to know about Jesus are our precious friends and family members, and we long to see them saved. Help us to live for you. Help us to speak of you, no matter the cost. Help us to fix our eyes upon that eternal glory which you are calling us to. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.